0: Good evening, hub of every nation. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. We honor and celebrate you. Tonight, before we dive into the Word, I do just want to mention that in two weeks' time is our AGM. So we're excited about that. It's a celebration Sunday for us. We take a moment to look back over the last year at all that God has done across every nation. Joburg, not just um, Rosebank. And we also present all the financials of the church to you. We believe in transparency and accountability. And we do that before we get into the preaching of the word. So please join us on the 26th of May for the AGM. But tonight we are closing the series Ngozi Sigilela, which has really looked at the responsibility and the role that we have as Christians in South Africa going into the election, and now post the election, what we do now. It kind of feels like the status quo is the same. But anyway, be that as it may. We're looking at what we carry and what we should do. And tonight we're speaking about the South Africa that we are believing God for. So I want you to think for a moment before we dive into the word about what is your dream for South Africa? Do you have one? Do you have dreams for the nation and what are they? And how would you want us to celebrate the South African people? What are the, 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 the things that you feel? you hope for, for your children and your children's children in this nation. Um, a lot of those dreams will be birthed out of the context that you come from. And for me, there are so many dreams that I have to see South Africa as a place of, of vibrancy, where people get to express the stories of our people. I feel like there's, there's so much richness in this nation. But for many of us, we've, it, it feels a little bit like... A bit like the Israelites when they came out of Egypt and they were expecting to be in a promised land and they found themselves in a wilderness for a lot longer than they anticipated being in a wilderness. And I think as a newly democratic nation, there was so much hope for the dreams that we have for South Africa and so much hope for what we want this nation to be like. And then it kind of feels like we're in the wilderness for longer than what we thought we would be. And being in the wilderness starts to create a place of bitterness. Where we start to feel like the promise and the dream that we have for this nation is it's not really achievable anymore. It's like it's like a distant dream and instead of remembering the promise, we get focused on surviving the desert. And just trying to get through the season that we're in. And this is where the word of God comes in. Because as believers, we're meant to be used to walking by faith and not by sight. We're meant to be used to God saying something is true, and we're not always seeing it manifest yet in who we are, but we know that it's true of who we are. And so we're meant to be the Joshuas and the Calebs that remind our generation of what the promise is that we've seen, that we keep pushing people towards that promise. And and towards that goal, that we don't get distracted with the issues of the wilderness, but that we stay focused on the dream that God has for this nation. And what our role is in birthing that dream, and bringing that dream to reality. And tonight, the scripture that we're going to look at is from a context that's similar in some ways to South Africa. And I really just pray that as we look at that scripture, it tells us how we birth the South Africa that we are trusting God for, what our role is as we look to God and cry out to Him for this nation. And so I pray that that, that is what the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you about. So let's, let's pray, actually. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is the anchor for our souls and that it gives us direction onto what we should be trusting you for, Lord. I thank you that your word paints a picture of the kind of nation that you want to build here. And it reminds us of the promises that you have. And more than that, it births faith in us to press in and see those promises. And Lord, as we examine your word tonight, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that this wouldn't be a sermon to console or to encourage, or to, but it would be a, word, a sermon about the word and about what you have promised us and how we can continue to walk according to your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict us where we need conviction, that you would change us where we need transformation, that we would leave here with more joy, more hope, more peace, more faith, um, and more direction as to how we can build this nation for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this, um, this is the preamble to the South African Constitution, and it really paints a, some of the dream that we are trusting God for, right? It it, it paints some of that hope that we are that we have for this nation, and if we're gonna build a kind of nation that we want. Uh, sorry, if we're going to trust God to build this nation, then we need to know the kind of nation that God would build. And so more than just looking at the dreams that we have, I want to begin with us looking at the kind of nation that God builds. The great thing about Scripture is that we have an example of God building a nation, and we can examine what he did in that time to see what are the principles behind um A godly nation right and if we're gonna have a picture that we're holding on to it must be based on God's Word as believers who submit to Christ we must have a picture that is based on God's Word amen that we're fighting for so let's look at some what that is the first aspect that God promises he speaks so much about abundance that he wants to build a nation where the people where there is no one that has fear of lack where everyone has an abundance and all that they need for life and provision, and that applies to everyone in the nation. God so often speaks about justice. Justice is, the kind, is a key part of the kind of nation God would build, that he's, he clearly instructs all of the leaders and judges of Israel to be honest in their dealings, no corruption, no bribery, and he judges quite harshly injustice in the nation. But at the same time, God speaks so clearly about mercy, and he builds a nation with laws that are designed to be merciful, where debts get canceled, where there is provision for people that don't necessarily deserve it, that are not part of the nation, where there is forgiveness and reconciliation, that he builds a nation that is not only just, but is also filled with mercy. He speaks about a nation where every person has a relationship with God and the family is tasked with passing on the knowledge of God and walking in relationship with God. And it's meant to be a place where our individual relationship with God is what dictates our morality, not the law of the land to police our morality. And he speaks over and over again about rest, his plan to bring his people into a place of rest, that the the nation would feel like a space of rest and would be at peace with other nations around it, aside from the ones that they were conquering for the promise. There was not so much peace for those nations. So these are just some of the aspects of a nation that God would build, and these five things must be key to what we want to build in South Africa. But the problem with wilderness living or being in the wilderness is that it's very easy to become bitter. And it's very easy to forget who God is and what, is, what His promises are to you because it's tough to be in the wilderness. And so we're faced with trying to just survive the space that we're in and get a little bit better out of what we have than what we currently have. And in that space what we end up doing is we build golden calves we build something that feels like an attainment of a promise but that's so temporary that's a form of salvation that isn't actually going to suffice right but we start to try and formulate something that sounds like us sounds to us like salvation like relief from the wilderness like promise and we start to build our hopes and our expectations on something that we have built. And the very title of the sermon is the South Africa We Are Believing God to build, not one that we can build of our own effort. It must be God who builds this nation as we walk according to God's ways. And whatever form we build, it it, it, it doesn't meet the standard, right? It doesn't withstand the storms. And those five things. What we tend to do is we pursue one of those things above the others because we're trying to get a good thing out of our wilderness situation. We pursue abundance at the expense of justice or we pursue justice at the expense of mercy and we make that thing our golden calf, the thing that we're hoping is going to save our nation. But it's not. And the nature, of the, the nature of the nation God would build is that it carries these things in the tension that God is doing it, and that God is good, and that he is the answer. And so as we're looking to, to what we do to build the South Africa that we're believing for, that we're dreaming for, it must be based on who God is, and not just what we think is right for us. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm a little bit fluy, so sorry if I cough, but... The golden calves that we build, we have to, we have to be willing to like, eliminate them and burn them and melt them so that we can get back to that place, the difficult place of trusting for a promise that's bigger than ourselves. But you know what? This is what is amazing about God, is that the Israelite nation was one of the smallest nations. And Deuteronomy says, it's not because of you that I chose you, but because of me, that God is so good that he chose that to be the nation that he blessed and he prospered. And the point is that South Africa is not blessed because of the sum of its parts, but because we are believing that God has a purpose for this nation. And what that means is that we have to have dreams for this nation that are bigger than what we can achieve, that are bigger than what we can physically do, that the dream that Moses had for the nation of Israel couldn't have just been what they could physically do because they would never have gotten to the promised land. The walls of Jericho would never have fallen if it was up to the Israelites. It must be about what God is building and what He is doing. And so we have to confront the dreams that we have with South Africa with, is this based in faith in God or faith in something else to bring about that dream? Before I get to the Scripture, I do want to say this. One of the things I found the most challenging about preparing this sermon is that I cannot get around the fact that if we want to see God bring transformation to the systems of this nation. We have to be involved in the systems of this nation. And it's tough for me because... Let's say let's say I want God to um, transform the politics of South Africa. Does that mean I join a political party? And if so, which political party do I join? Because all of them don't feel like the most amazing option. And so then what I'm assuming is I'm going to face criticism from people around me. And that doesn't feel fun. And besides, I'm selfish. And I actually just want to do things that give me immediate satisfaction instead of spending time and effort investing in something that's not for my benefit. And so because of those reasons, we throw our two cents every five years into what's happening in this nation, and hope that that's enough. And I can't get around the fact that if we're going to be the Daniels and the Esters, we have to be involved in the systems of this nation to bring transformation to them. There is a level of action that you have to take that absolutely is not about you, where you will face criticism, where it will be hard, and you will probably only see the benefits from the other side of eternity. But that is how we will birth the South Africa that we are believing God for. So the scripture that we're going to look at tonight is from the book of Micah. Micah was prophesying during the same time as the prophet Isaiah. There were three kings that you know, reigned in Judah during the time of Micah's ministry. And it was, Judah was quite a corrupt place at that time. And there was... A lot of corruption and, and like brokenness that Michael's prophesying into. This is how he phrases it in chapter 3, speaking about Jerusalem. Its heads give judgment for a bribe. Its priests teach for a price. Its prophets practice divination for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, Is not the Lord in the midst of us? No disaster shall come upon us sounds similar in some ways to us, and where the corruption is not just in the political or justice system, but even in the church, you know, that there's, that, that is the extent of the corruption in the land. And towards the end of Micah's prophecy, this, this is the instruction that he gives us. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In the, in the space of, of Micah's prophesying, there was so much change that happened in Judah, and it was just before kind of everything fell apart. And this is what, what he says to do, no matter what the situation is, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so we're going to look at these three aspects tonight, because this, this is the to-do of building the South Africa that we are believing God for. So the first thing is to act justly. Justice is a core part of who God is. And you know, because God is just, everything he does is just. There is nothing that God does that is unjust. There is nothing that God does that has favoritism or skewed scales. God also demands of us that we act justly. And the way that we're supposed to live is also supposed to um, create and and oversee, facilitate justice justice around us, that we need to act justly. The reality is, though, that pretty much every political opinion in this room is based on a form of justice, that we do want to fight for justice, and we do believe that what we are fighting for has a form of justice, right? And so that brings justice into question as to then, what is it? For us to act justly as believers, it means we must submit what our definition of justice is to what God's definition of justice is because his definition of justice must be what the act justly looks like because his definition is always meant to trump ours. And so we surrender our definition of justice to God's, and we act according to his justice. And Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he was speaking about this judgment, or, or, or not judgment, the expectation that God has for us to act justly. And he says this, there is, Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one and was appalled that there was no one to intervene. That our justice is not just in, in our own actions, but in intervening in unjust situations around us. But what's amazing about the scripture is that it also says that truth must be the basis of justice. Truth, who is Jesus Christ, must be the basis of our justice. That what Jesus says is just, which is, you know, justice has to do with who deserves what. That what Jesus says is just is what is just. And that truth must undergird our definition of justice right? That whatever justice we are acting upon must be defined with what Jesus says because he is truth. Truth must form the basis of our justice. And it challenges us in how we act justly because in the nature of a system that feels like the very system is unjust, what we want to do then is because it feels like like the system is never going to produce just results, we kind of feel like we have to manipulate the system in order to get a form of justice, right? That we, if, if we, we balance the scales ourselves, it's a Robin Hood version of justice where he would, in the midst of an a, sort of abusive, oppressive upper class, would steal from the rich to give to the poor to try and, in, on his own, balance the scales. But you can't build justice off of injustice, you can't sow injustice into the land and hope that justice will bear fruit later. And I want to take a moment just to look at this Robin Hood version of justice because it's something that we do so innately that we don't always realize it, that we automatically try and work within the system to get what we feel is just to us. And the Robin Hood version of justice, because it relies on, on a good or a person's definition of justice to be accurate, and that person's ability to execute that justice, then really what it is, it's about whoever has the power to execute their version of justice is the form of justice that we'll see. And it creates a, a cyclical lack of justice. <laughs> because whatever is, whenever justice comes, whatever other version can overpower that will do so. And I think so many times people have come into power, and not just in South Africa, all over the world, with a form of justice that they felt uh, was right, but then the dynamics changed, and the power balances changed, and because this justice rests on power, it so quickly becomes injustice all over again. But Jesus' justice is so different to that, because Jesus doesn't take from one to give to the other. He took from himself to give to all. It's not based on any person's worthiness of what they deserve. It's based on his goodness. And his justice is met and satisfied in his own action. And when we are meant to act justly, we are meant to to act in this form of justice, where it's not about us deciding who deserves what, but about us creating, because this is the only truly level platform where everyone is given the same grace, the same righteousness, the same access to hope, that it truly becomes a level platform. And that is the kind of justice that we are meant to sow and that we are meant to give, that it is about what Jesus has said is right, and we continue to do that. And we trust that Jesus has satisfied all of the justice that is required of God, and that God will bring justice to us. Luke 18 Says this, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because the justice that we are fighting for rests on the fact that God is good and that God will bring it. And it is not just about the justice that we can create and foresee in ourselves, but it must be based on the faith that God will fight for what is just. And so, when you are acting justly, you must also act in faith. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in you for justice? I believe that acting justly is also about us in our individual capacity, acting, uh, uh, bringing the justice that we want to see. Acting justly is not just about supporting a system that we think is just, but on our own, are you correcting the injustices of the past in your individual capacity? Are you fighting for distributive and procedural justice where there is fair opportunity and fair play and equal opportunity for those around you? That if you are to act justly, then you need to fight for justice in your everyday, not just support something that you think is just. That that's what acting justly means, that we live in such a way that brings justice. At the same time, we are told to love mercy to love showing mercy to people. And mercy is all about people getting what they don't deserve. That's what mercy is. So that we're doing both of those. We are bringing justice, and we are loving the opportunity to forgive those who don't deserve it. Love mercy. Mercy is about relationship. It is about creating a space for relationship with somebody that doesn't deserve it, and choosing to create that space over and over and over again because you believe the best in that situation. Probably the epitome of mercy is the story that Jesus told when he was asked what are the two greatest commandments. Two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And seeking to justify himself, the man that asked the question said, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story of the good Samaritan, a Samaritan who took mercy on somebody that was Jewish, somebody that probably would have ridiculed and mocked and dissociated from that person, a person who would have seen them as not worthy of their space or their time. The Samaritan took mercy on that person. That's what mercy is. It is kindness towards somebody that really doesn't deserve it. Towards the people that are most different from us, that we don't want to associate with, those are the people we need to show kindness to. That's what mercy is about. Mercy is about kindness. Mercy is also about forgiveness. Forgiving people that don't deserve it. And mercy is about reconciliation. About choosing to create space for relationship even when we don't think it's deserved. We need to act justly, but we also need to love mercy. And we need to have faith in God that as we act justly and as we love mercy, that he will build the South Africa that we are believing for. And the third thing is to walk humbly with God. And this is really about the fact that there are some things that don't change, right? No matter who is in power, no matter what the economic, the political, the social, your family situation is, there are some things that don't change. God is always on the throne. We will always worship him. We will always choose his joy and his peace and his life above bitterness and hopelessness we will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, trusting that everything else shall be given unto us. These are the things that will never change, no matter who is in power. We seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And we continue to do that day in and day out for all of eternity. Walking humbly with our God is about the the knowledge that that God is going to always reign, right? It's that space of settling in my soul that, you know what, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to sow the, the, the seeds that I want to see burst in my nation in 10 years' time. But I'm trusting that no matter what, God is on the throne. He is good. He is good. And I let him define goodness for my soul instead of anything else around me. It's, it's also about walking in faith, Um, Romans 14 says, whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. If you wanted a definition of sin, there there it is. Anything that does not proceed from faith, which is a really tough one because you can read your Bible in a sinful way. Just saying, that was a side comment. Whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. When we are doing things to build the South Africa we are trusting God for. It must be done from a place of faith. It's, it's doing things from faith that, that was the difference between you know, Cain and Abel. The people in Hebrews 11, they were doing ordinary things by faith. And that's what we need to do. We need to be paying our taxes by faith and loving our neighbor by faith and blessing those who curse us by faith and raising our children by faith and, and all of the things we do, voting by faith, that we need to be doing ordinary things by faith. Because that's what it means to walk humbly with God. And that is the difference between the South Africa that we are believing God for and the South Africa that we can build on our own. We need the faith that it is God who builds this nation, that it is God who is going to oversee this nation, that as we walk humbly with him, as we act justly, as we love mercy, he will build the South Africa that we are believing him for. And we have to say yes to being in positions that we don't always want to be And We have to say yes to being Joseph's put in palaces that are not necessarily the place that we, not palaces, prisons. Well, I'm sure palace was also part of it, but being put in prisons that we didn't choose, that we don't deserve, but in that place, We act in such a way that God is still glorified, that faith is still the substance, that we act justly, we love mercy, and we walk with God no matter what the nation looks like today. So in conclusion, we need to examine what the golden calves are that we're currently holding on to. The things that have become distractions in the wilderness, that we've become used to having around because it makes the wilderness feel better, but where we've forgotten about building the promise. We need to examine the areas that we've become so accustomed to expecting only the worst. And we've lost hope and lost faith that God is going to use that very thing to bring glory to him. We need to examine the versions of justice that are based on what we want for ourselves and not based on the truth of God's Word. We need to examine the areas where we struggle to extend mercy, where we struggle to trust in God for that thing. Because as we bring those things to God, the amazing thing is that He gives us grace to empower us to have faith and hope once again that He will be good in those situations and that He will use you in those situations To transform this nation. And above all, we need to remember that there is only one thing that transforms a nation, and that is discipleship. That in every season, we must preach the gospel and share it with people around us and walk with them until they apply the gospel to their lives, such that there is freedom in their lives. That's, that's the only way that the nation is going to be transformed. That, You know, imagine if each individual person in this nation was acting justly and loving mercy and walking humbly with God. I mean, the, the government would have so much resource freed up from policing us that they would be able to invest and develop us. You know, that they would, it would be a whole different kind of nation because they're not just policing the people. They're empowering the people. It's, it's discipleship that we need to transform this nation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are our hope in the darkness, Lord God. You are our hope in the light. You are our hope in every situation. And that you you give us so clearly in your word the principles that we need to live by to see our lives transformed, to see our families transformed, and to see a nation transformed. And Jesus, wherever there have been things that we have pursued in isolation and not what you would have for this nation, Lord God, we want to lay down those golden calves, Jesus. We don't want to pursue one thing that is our own man-made image of hope. We want to pursue you and seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and trust that you will build the South Africa that we are believing you for. I pray, Lord God, for anyone in this room that has been frustrated with hoping, that has become bitter, that has felt like the wilderness has been too long, I want to pray right now that you would speak to our hearts and you would restore hope where there has been hopelessness, Jesus. You would come and revive the dreams that we have for this nation. And wherever we have begun to, to check out, I pray that you would speak to that as well, Lord God. You would pull us into a space of faith, that we look again to the one who overcomes. We look again to the one who will pull us out of my reclaim into life. And we fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We say, revive the dreams that we have for this nation and and, and convict us of where we are disengaged or where we've become bitter. I pray that we would invest in this nation with a long-term dream, just a hand. Great work.